Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, on behalf of the California Angels and the City of Los Angeles, on the occasion of Her Majesty's Royal Visit, please welcome internationally renowned opera star Enrico Palazzo. Yes, he's in the intensive care ward at Our Lady of the Worthless Miracle. Hello, Palazzo Prospects fans. Utah, we Give me two. are back and at it tonight. And hello, Charlie. I'm looking forward to this one too. Um, my name is Ben, and uh, I go by Big Gentle Ben on all the socials. And I'm here with my man Robbie Baseball. Good evening. Good evening. And uh, if you can't tell by the first few words I've spoken, I've got a, a, a bit of a, a stuffed up system at the moment. So if my uh, words don't come out exactly as they should, that's my excuse. But, you know, we'll, we'll so work you've got it. a stuffed up system, unlike the Rockies, oh, I'm guessing. Oh, oh, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see. We'll get there. <laughs> out (laughs) so tonight we are going to cover uh we're going to continue on our three teams series and doing our big three next three and tonight we are going to cover the baltimore orioles the chicago white Sox, and the colorado rockies and if you can find me a more disparate trio uh, from the top to the bottom, I don't know if we have one the rest of our schedule as far as how good the best team of the three we're talking about and how bad the worst of the three is. This might be about as spread apart as they get. But yeah, I'm just looking right now at the teams like that we've got to cover in our next groups. I'm not seeing one that's at all compared. I mean, we'll find fun things about each of these organizations, oh, yeah. but um, they're coming at development from some different angles here. So. And, and that's, you know, and that's a really good spot to start with the Orioles here. Uh, if you would have gone, if you'd go back three, four, even, you know, five years for sure, there was not such a thing as an international prospect in the Baltimore <laughs> Orioles system. In by, fact, was, by some weird choice, by some weird oh, choice. And they had, they were, I went back and I was looking up details on the Kevin Gossman trade to the Braves because I don't know if you remember, Evan Phillips was sent out from the Braves in that trade 
failed with the Orioles, failed with another team, and then finally caught on to where he's now potentially a closer in Los Angeles. But I was looking at some of that. They acquired international money from the Braves that they then turned around and traded away. They traded away a ton of international money in like the next two years. There's nobody that has stuck around or that was even like worthwhile that they acquired using that international money. And that's basically all they ever did was trade it away for players. So, you know, when the Dodgers would go over budget back in that day, when they didn't have a harder cap like they do now, that's how the Orioles would fill in their team is they would go out and they'd trade for a, a back of the whole bullpen reliever you know, the, the guy you bring in when you're down by 10 in the second inning, that sort of guy. And the captain mop up. Yeah, there you go. Which, by the way, a little bit of a hat tip tonight to our to our man, Colin, uh, Colin McHugh, who announced his retirement today and came from an NAIA school. So a tiny little college, 18th round draft pick. It made himself a pretty solid major league career. Something I I wanted to say that I read it was 17 years he spent as a professional. Oh wow! Between between minors and majors. Yeah, yeah. He he had some real good whip years in the last couple of years in the Braves. He was a little bit redundant with Jesse Chavez and Colin McHugh in the same bullpen because they're kind of the same guy. But those are really needed guys the way that starting pitching goes today. And he made a nice life of it. So. Since we brought up that idea, you know, there you go. There's your mop-up guy right there. So let's open <laughs> up with the Orioles. And, Robbie, tell me, who are your top three in the Orioles system? Okay, I'll give you the names, and then I got to uh, go grab something special for anybody who's watching um, on the YouTube <laughs> channel. So uh, at first, I mean, it's super boring. Uh, we got Jackson Holiday, And it's only boring because we don't need to dive deep on him because he's Jackson Holiday. Um, number two, I've got a guy that's from draft day in 2020, you know, with dingers, Ty was talking him up and he has been the perfect kind of slow burn guy, Kobe Mayo, uh, next up future third baseman for the Orioles. Let's talk about it. And then, um, kind of the flyer forgotten man from that draft, Heston Kierstad is Mm -hmm. my number three. And, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll dive into him on the others, but if you let people know your top three, I will put my earpiece back in shortly. (laughs) Okay. All right. My top three, I'm going to stick with uh, Jackson Holiday uh, as my top guy. And I've also got Mayo in there. My third is uh, a guy that probably Robbie is not going to be a huge fan of here. So I'm kind of waiting for him to get his earpiece back in just so I can mention it as he's listening. Because my third guy would be Samuel Basalo. And yes, it's a catcher. I, I got the earphones back. I don't like it. <laughs> I I don't know that the man ever plays a minute of catcher in the major leagues, though. That's just I don't I just don't think he does. Um, but he is a to I'll I'll just put this out there. I've I keep watching more and more video of him, and that right-handed swing reminds me so much of Manny Ramirez. Oh wow. It, it's just it is a lot of contact. It is a lot of power. And when he came over as an international prospect, the big question was, is this guy going to be able to catch? And I thought, I don't care. Everything I've seen right. of him looks like he can handle everything in zone, out of zone that he wants to swing at. He's 
just got loads and loads of power. And the thing is, he's still unleashing more and more of it in game situations. That's what's really impressive. Now, the biggest question you're going to have for him is, where do you stick him when you got a guy like Adley Rushman as your catcher of the future? But I don't stick him in a trade to San Francisco because they can't seem to get a useful (laughs) catcher, but they keep drafting. (laughs) So I will say Bailey at least can play defense. Yes. Okay. So yes. Sorry. True. I'm just crapping on Bart. Yeah. um, Yeah. That was unfair. And I will not apologize. But the, the great thing I love about Basal is he's a left-handed swinger. Um, but just, I mean, the guy got up to double A as an 18-year-old last year. Yeah. And there's a reason. I mean, he's just, he's impressive to watch. He's a lot of fun to watch. So uh, I'm going to let you hit a bit on, we we agree on Mayo. We agree on Holiday. I mean, I don't think that there, that's any really big yeah, surprise. Most fantasy people should. You know, yeah. Most people, not even fantasy people, yeah. real people. Oh, yeah. Real they life. They should agree. Absolutely. Those are the ones. But uh, I'm going to let you kick off with uh, hit on Kerstead a little bit because he's sure. he's in my next group, but you know you brought him okay. up, so I want to let you lead off with him. Sure, yeah. So Kerstead was drafted, and um, I don't remember that he was hurt initially, but he did not join pro ball right away. Then he got a case of the COVIDs, and um, he was one of the very unfortunate guys that was young that got hit hard with it, mm-hmm. um, and he had some setbacks with it. You know, Yon Moncada was an MLBer who has talked a bit about how it affected him. And I'm just going to take his um, summation of what it did with his body and kind of put that towards Kirstad and say, I get it. Like it basically kind of shut you down. And then when you tried to get back, you know, to doing what you were doing, you couldn't do it. So we didn't get to see pro ball results until 2022. And at that point, people weren't um, overly on board from day one with Kirstad because I don't know. They just, that, that was the thing, right? A drafts, right? Like, Oh, yeah. Baltimore does this weird thing. And, you know, so people were too pumped with him anyway, uh, but they did good things with that draft because they got Kobe Mayo. I'm trying to remember the other 2020 guys. That was the five round draft for anybody yeah. uh, who's not remembering. But anyway, Kirstad came out. He's very consistently hit when he's been healthy, uh, but we haven't seen what a 500. What would, what did he do last year? 530 something. Yeah. We haven't seen a back-to-back 500 plus, uh, at bat season for him, no. but last year between double A and triple A, he hit over 300. Uh, OBP is good, not great, uh, but contact hitter, right? 21 dingers. What were the stolen bases last year? Da, 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 da. Let's see, 400. Yeah, no, eight. Um, so you know, he's he's out there, he's helping you in fantasy categories. But the big thing with him is under um, developed, you know, stat line or uh, post draft, you know, letdown, post hype prospect, whatever. He's yep. not seen as a shining dynasty asset. And whoever has him, uh, we are talking about Heston Kierstad for anybody who needed to know. Um, so Kierstad is what was he? he wasn't the first overall pick. He was what like top three. He, he was like actually that? the second overall. Oh, he was second overall. Okay. He was ranked probably well in like the 20s 30s yeah and so a lot of people were really surprised everyone was really positive about his bat but here's what they did with that draft they've got oh, yeah perfect. they got there's our but uh they got kirsted second overall then 30th overall they drafted jordan westberg then they actually spent quite a bit of money on hudson haskin who's not really turned out um and then saved some money on anthony servito and then Kobe Mayo in the fourth and Carter Baumler, who we're going to talk about here in just a bit, in the fifth. That's 
that's a very solid group. If you yeah. want to look at how, you know, putting together that year's draft, that's going to go down as one of the better ones because that year's draft is pretty stinking ugly so far across most teams because of the lack of scouting they could do. So Yeah, and the high schoolers had even less time uh, oh, yeah. outside of, you know, the summer circuit, which by that point um, was not helping, yeah. <laughs> you know, like old information, right? So a lot of yeah. the kids weren't going to get the big money, so a lot of them went back in, which is why they talked about this past year's draft being such a good, deep FYPD draft because – a lot of the high school guys went back in and this is the, you know, three years later deal with them. So Kirstad, I think to me is one of the guys who whoever has them in your dynasty league probably has acquired them within the last six months uh, to a year simply to, um, to kind of take a shot, a flyer, which sounds crazy for a high pick. But I mean, we consistently see top five picks do very little year to year and we just hope for better things moving forward. So I think with Kirstad, we, we've seen MLB time. We're going to see MLB time. But he might be the kind of guy who needs to prove it to you know the skipper that when he's in whatever lineup, whether it be AAA or MLB, when he gets an opportunity, he's hitting the ball. Because one of the hardest things to do is to sit on the bench for three days, you know, get put in mm-hmm. on the doubleheader day. Uh, we talked in a previous podcast about you know the players, uh, Nazem Nunez with the uh, with Washington who could play you know on the Sunday. Um, on the Thursday, those kind of guys, you got to stay ready. So Kirstad, as long as he's doing that, I think he's going to find himself with opportunity. And he made huge strides last year in Mm -hmm. his ability to control his strike or his whiff rate, um, especially on pitches out of the zone. And that's, he's, he's still got a big swing and he's always going to have a big swing. That's just the nature of his beast. It's got some length to it, but he knows how to keep his body in 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 uh, check in good balance. I guess I'm trying. He's he's not a guy that sells out his body for power. I guess is the way I'm trying to put that. Is he isn't a guy who's just loading up and that big swing is all about just trying to jack the crap out of the ball. It's I want to make hard contact every time I make contact, but he's making solid opposite field contact too. He's not just trying to yank everything over the fence. He's he's trying to hit a ball with purpose. And that's why you see he was a 300 batting average guy, which I know, you know, you can say what you want about batting average, but in the upper minors hitting 300 across 122 games and 540 plate appearances, that's impressive for a guy well, who... Considering you know, the limited pro time prior to oh, yeah. 2023, right? We're talking under what 280, well, 284 prior plate appearances. So, mm-hmm. you know, 250 at bats as a pro prior to last year. Um, you know, I, I'm seeing good things come from him. And again, mm-hmm. like from a fantasy standpoint, he's undervalued and everyone's like, oh, Baltimore system's jacked. And of course, we're about to, you know, continue with more names here. But like, Amongst those names, this guy was there when it was all the wave was really starting up. And he yep. was the one who people didn't seem to want to rally around. They wanted to say, you know, the next name and the next name. Um, but he's he's back, he's healthy, and he's gonna be the guy. He could very well be one of those like fourth outfielders. He'll be the the reason why they don't, you know, re-sign somebody, the reason why Cedric Mullins could be traded and you know, other things along that line if they're like, we trust that he can do this and we can, you know, make platoons where we didn't think we could earlier in the year, you know, like you got Ramon Urias on the infield who can play second, third, he can play short, but he's not going to need to, but you know, he can move around. 
for all these players that are developing. Kirstad could be the guy that's in the outfield that moves around depending on, you know, who's not playing that day, things of that nature, depending on what Baltimore wants to do. I think he makes a tremendous platoon partner for Ryan Mountcastle. I don't know that Ryan Mountcastle should really be facing right-handed pitching anymore, which that really limits his effectiveness. But you got a lefty swinging guy like her, like, you know, Kirsten and you have Mountcastle. That's a pretty solid pairing to put at your first base spot. And then like you said, Kirsten can play around the outfield some, if he's showing that he can handle lefties, you plug him into the outfield every, you, you know, every now and then you give him some DH time, you know, that's going to be, he showed himself surprisingly adept defensively at first base for a guy who had never really played it at all before last year. And that's, to me, that's impressive because first base, I know it's, it's, it's the very low end of our defensive spectrum, but it does require a hell of a lot of good footwork to get right and to make sure you're in the right position, presenting a good target for your infielders. Never mind the flexibility to scoop what you need to scoop, but (laughs) he's, you know, that's not something you're ever going to have to do in the outfield. Uh, But he's, he showed very well at first base in my opinion. So yeah, certainly looking forward to him. So what about next three? Do, would so you like to present he, yours? Yeah, he would lead my next three. <laughs> okay. Um, the other guy I have in there is another guy I think we'll see a lot of time in Baltimore this year. Although I kind of, for his sake, hope that they find a way to trade him, and that's Colton Kowser. Um, oh. Really, a, really a fan of his overall package mm-hmm. of skills, and then I. I'm a, I'm a horror for a great defender. And so Joey Ortiz is going to always make my list when the way he can flash the leather in the infield. I just, I don't know if there's another guy that good with the glove in all of minor league baseball right now is Joey Ortiz. Um, he and, I mean, we talked about Nunez. I watched a game where those two were on the same field and it was, it was like, baseball porn to me <laughs> to go watch those two because you're talking to a guy who like absolutely adored Andrelton Simmons too okay yeah so you're coming from a place of pain I understand yeah. <laughs> um scooping scooping balls is what Ben is all about you heard it here first everybody um <laughs> so you've got uh you got Kirstad and um sorry you said and Kowser was your sixth, is that right? Or was he your fifth? Sorry. Well, just or second three. Second in the second group of three. Yeah, so and then Joey Ortiz. Ortiz, so. yeah. Yeah, Ortiz was one of the ones who was kind of like a prospect up and comer in twenty twenty two, right? He kinda everybody started to pay a little bit more attention um to what Ortiz was up to. And at the same time, one of my guys, uh Judd Fabian, who I believe was also twenty twenty draft, and then said, No bueno, I would like it was 2020 or 2021. Apologize that I don't uh, have that information in my head. But what I do have is um, that Fabian lost the high average from his very short pro debut when everybody got super excited. Uh, and he was a dinger away from a 2020 season last year and like pretty near to say elite OBP. Um, I thought initially he was a potential catcher. Uh, and maybe that was the draft year when he, I think he was drafted by Boston and didn't sign. I think that's what it was. Um and maybe he could return to that if they need it. Obviously, Baltimore doesn't seem to need it, but you never know. Um, he could be a late season addition to the Orioles, depending on what the team's doing, or maybe more likely as a 23-year-old, he could be dealt because the Orioles have not yet acquired anyone that I would determine to be a useful pitcher. 
So they might be using some of these guys, as we've talked about a lot, to acquire in-season um, depth or expiring contracts or things like that. Not that that takes away from Fabian, but it lets you know as a prospect or a dynasty player that Fabian should be on the bubble this year as far as uh, MLB, but also his value could be going up and down. So um, I know he was thought of initially as a catcher. It had to have been Boston that he was drafted by. So, um, But yeah, he's one of the guys. And then um, I've got Enrique Bradfield Jr., who, I mean, elite defender. And um, I got such a long little thing on him. I'll try to shorten up. (laughs) Uh, elite defender. We like that for playing time because you you need your boys to be playing in order to get fantasy stats, elite speed, like plus plus Bradfield jr. Has shown uh, 25 pro stolen bases and only 79 at bats. I love the idea of power at either corner speed in the middle. Like this is for Baltimore, not him specifically. Mm -hmm. He's the speed in the middle. Um, And if he can hold a stupid high BABIP, he could be a 280s hitter. Now you, you don't say that for everybody. You like to see them, you know, actually make contact, but there are guys who can beat, you know, beat out a crappy slap chop, whatever you want to call it, uh, because they're so damn fast. He's one of those guys. Uh, he could be a top 20 pick in your first year player drafts simply because you can dream on the stolen bases. You can dream on the average but you can bank on the playing time because he's going to get an opportunity. Now he could always become Dwayne wise and no one's going to be happy with that where he's not doing what you wanted him to do, but you got to pick a guy like Bradfield jr. And hope that that's going to come up. I mean, we could even see him in September if Baltimore's thinking playoffs and he's got what 70 stolen bases in the minors, 90 stolen bases in the minors. You know, we saw is a Terrence Gore who came up and like, annoyed the hell out of everyone for several years because he won a world series with KC and four years later was still rookie eligible in dynasty leagues because no one would put him or let him bat. They just put him on. He kept getting, yeah, he kept getting, yeah, kept getting signed to, Oh, I know the Braves had him in 21 when they went on their playoff run. Oh, okay. I mean, he kept getting signed by a team late in the year, every single year. It seemed like a team that was headed to the playoffs to be their bench runner because you're going to be able to plug him in and that could mean a run. I mean, yeah, you know, so it's not good for the fantasy stats, but that's, that's what I kind of see as his yeah. worst, his worst setting for him. And yep. then the last guy's got is uh, Leandro Arias, 18 year old Baltimore J two guy oh, yep. in 2022 at six one one fifty five. When I last checked, I, I picked him up. Um, he looks like he could be a, a corner of some sort infield outfield. We, we don't know at this point in time. Um, obviously short shortstop's not going to be the spot for him. No. Uh, future power hitter type um, DSL career, super low case, 14% last year. And he had a 26% rate in 2022. We're obviously going to need to see him come over. Baltimore is not a skip complex or skip rookie ball thing uh, that they do which we'll talk about with some other teams later on so we're going to see him uh in rookie ball probably again this year uh very low a at at most but i mean this is another guy i think is he's he's below like a lot of the college guys yeah Yeah, what about gerard dyson i mean another one what about him but i mean (laughs) arias came over this year or was in uh uh, the well, what used to be called the Gulf Coast League, but it's I don't, Florida Complex now. Yeah, Florida Complex. Um, yeah. But what I was really impressed by in comparison to his work at the DSL the year before is he went from a guy who struck out, I mean, still 25 ish percent of the time, which isn't horrible, but he struck out almost 10 
you know, and and not just that, but he had a twenty walk, twenty uh, strikeout season in one hundred and sixty two plate appearances. That's a huge improvement, and it shows a lot of polish at the plate for an eighteen year old kid in a very unfamiliar environment. You know, you come over here, and he's a switch hitter. That's the other thing I really like about him is he's, you know, he's got the ability to get you from both sides of the plate. I, I've been impressed watching any video I can find of him. He's got just really kind of a nice swing from both sides. I think he's a little more power left and contact right, but you know what? It's going to play. I think it's going to play. He just needs some full season time. Oh, you wait on you wait on your Zach Fien talk. We're 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 going to maybe get to him. I'm not <laughs> sure, but uh, and maybe. my beautiful <laughs> my beautiful face. Come on now, let's let's anyway. Uh, so a couple of folks that were brought up uh, when it, we posted this in the Palazzo Podcast Discord, and a couple of people Free were to join. Up. Yeah, absolutely. you should too. And uh, we brought this up and just asked if anybody had any players on these teams. Which um, we're going to be talking about Jake Eater. He was the only guy that was brought up on the Chicago White Sox system. Not sure what that says about uh, the Chicago White Sox, but we'll get into that. Um, <laughs> And uh, we had two guys who were brought up from the Baltimore Orioles. The first one is Carter Baumler. And Robbie, you'd indicated that it's not a guy you're extremely familiar with. No, um, I mean, like you said, 2020 draft, um, yep. fifth round guy. Fifth there round were only guy. a few of those that I was really looking at back at that time. And the, um, the only and reason I just passed him right by. The only reason I even know much about him at all is he was an Iowa boy. Um, and so, you know, upper Midwest kid, I always kind of take a little bit of extra attention. Mm-hmm. But he he is uh, he missed all of 21 due to injury. Came back in 22 and only made four appearances. Um, showed really good stuff, but then just couldn't get on the field all year last year. And finally mm-hmm. got onto the field a bit in the Arizona Fall League and really started out like a stood um, but he's, he didn't finish out well, let's put it that way. So, but you're talking short, you know, very, very small sample size, 450 ERA, 170 whip, but he did, you know, he struck out 13 and a half per nine in Arizona. Excuse me. I understand That's choking that. talking about him. And I get it. Um, there's a, there's another one that was uh, privately mentioned to me, and this was this is my own fault. Uh, Juan Rojas with the Orioles. This is a guy that I really liked oh. uh, last off season. I think it was. He was part of the K. It was what was it? This was the Yanier Cano and uh, Juan Nunez from the Twins on Tuesday in exchange for Jorge Lopez. Lopez trade when Lopez got yep. traded in 2022. Um, Rojas was the who's that guy that was in the trade. Yep. Um, and at the time, I'm going to go back. He was complex ball and he was striking mm-hmm. out everybody. Um, where was he? 30 innings pitched and he had without walking. Strikeouts. Yeah, like he, he, he just walk looked either. That was the thing. Yeah, like me and my wife's pants. He looked tight. And uh, <laughs> oh, last <man. laughs> year, last year he went to A ball and, you know, didn't like not a lot of time, 25 and a third innings. Um, the walks went up, strikeouts went down. You know, we saw the recoil, right? So we're going to, yep. we're going to have to see what exactly happens from him. But that was somebody, I think it was more of a troll when someone's like, 
talk about Juan Rojas. Um, there's, excuse me, there's a couple guys where at the trade deadline, if I don't know who the heck they are, I put them on a list. Uh, I circle back to them, you know, a year later, what's going on? Is this somebody did I miss? Did I hit whatever? And I mean, he's still, you know, he's, he's going to play this year at 20. Um, but is it going to be back in a ball? Pretty sure. But we got to see some idiots now. And I, and I honestly, the folks that I know from Minnesota talked about that this is likely a reliever type Mm. going forward because he's got two really strong pitches, but just didn't ever pick up a third when they tried to work with him on a third. And so if that's his future, I think they were still trying to have him start or at least pitch extended innings in a ball last year. If mm-hmm. he moves to the bullpen from that left side with that, you know, if he can get back to that control that he showed in comp or yeah, in complex ball in 22, I mean, yeah, he doesn't need to strike out the world in order to make, be a very, very effective as a lefty reliever with that kind of control. So We'll just see whether that's going to be his thing is whether or not he can get there. Um, the other guy we had brought up was Dylan Beavers. He's an outfielder um, and drafted in. He was a first round pick. I'm trying to remember the year here. I feel like he was 21. 22, actually. Oh, was he 22? Uh, okay, so he's not yet real five. Yeah, Cal Berkeley uh, guy. And he's one of those guys I – I didn't have huge rankings on because I just thought he looks like he's just, he's good. There's just not a lot of like, holy crap Mm. out of him. And lo and behold, that's kind of been what he's been in the minor leagues, but he's worked his way very quickly up, played, um, had 150 plate appearances in double A and slashed almost a 900 OPS out of it. But he's, He's one of those guys, and this is a guy we're going to get to one of my favorite guys with this type of profile when we get to the Mets, and that's Drew Gilbert, guy who just, he doesn't do anything special, but he does a lot of things good enough that you can see this guy could have a major league career doing what he's doing. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know that he's going to end up being an all-star outfielder, but this is the type of guy that I could see starting for somebody for three, four years, you know, and having a pretty decent backup career after that. So, you know, like a Robbie Grossman type, you know, doesn't do anything exceptional, but has some pretty solid years. I'm a little sensitive on the Robbie Grossman. I once, (laughs) uh, I once, once believed, what was it? 2021. Yeah. I believe the 2021 uh, OBP, the ability to take a walk was something sustainable. And I tried to money ball, uh, a way to be competitive with a team in one of my leagues that had uh, <laughs> Juan Soto. So I remember being like, how can I like get my walks up? You know, I'm going to, I'm going to get Robbie Grossman because that guy can take a pitch and he signed that two-year contract with Detroit. And I was all over, yeah. you know, I was all over it and I paid quite a, a hefty price to get him in the auction. And uh, Robbie Grossman was very, very disappointing. But that's not that's not what I wanted to finish off on Dylan Beavers because there's so <laughs> many puns. Um, I think Dylan Beavers, uh, you know, makes solid contact with the wood. He uh, he chips away at his minor league career. Uh, I can see him being a big part of the dam in Baltimore of prospects clogging things up. Thank you. Uh, I might circle back to more potential beaver puns later, but let's, let's move on to a second tier depressing team. Not like a full depressing. Team. We will save. You want to save the Rockies for last? We can do it. Hit up some white Sox. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 
Um, so my my one two three with the socks is I don't think too out there, but I really like Noah Schultz because I got a I got a weird thing for high school lefties, um, and last well what, whatever last year I I was happy that in two of my dynasty leagues I picked Schultz in my first round my first year ADP, um, Colson Montgomery is my number two, and my number three and I honestly I. I don't think that I like my number three where he is because I like my number four and five more, but number three is Jacob Gonzalez out of last year's draft. Uh, He was 15th overall. Uh, uh, Roto Ronnie, who was desperately wanting a shout out um, now, you know, on this, on Palazzo podcast, he's getting one now. Uh, He said he wanted to know because he already regrets a pick he made of him in August. So we can either reassure him or let him know he's properly pooched here, Ben. Uh, but those are my three, Schultz, Montgomery, and Gonzalez. What say you? Yeah, I um, I agree with two of them. I mean, I think Montgomery and Schultz are probably everybody's top two in mm-hmm. that system. Uh, the guy who I like, I've liked him for a couple of years now, is Brian Ramos. And... I just, I love that. There's another guy. I just, he's one of those, you watch the swing and you're like, this works. This makes sense. I see why this would be. I was honestly confused when I first started watching him, why he wasn't having more success. And they've done a little work with him in kind of trimming up his body and getting him more, not necessarily lean down, but more proportional, if you want to put it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's, I know, I, I was really impressed. He looked good in in the fall league this year and was one of the home run leaders at one point. Um, but he's, he's the type of guy I could see being a really, more of a sum of his parts type of guy, a 270 or 260 to 270 hitter that gets, you know, 15 to 20 home runs each year. You know, that's that's not going to blow you away, but it's one of those things that, and especially he plays third, he has played second. I'm guessing he's a third baseman, and that team is looking to find some way to not play Yohan Moncada desperately. So um, that could be their answer as to how to not play him. And I just, I, I like him a lot. I think he's a guy that probably spends, opens this year in AAA, though. So, so on Gonzalez, what do you think for you, what would make him a viable guy at that spot? Okay. So I got to break this down specifically from a dynasty standpoint for people here, because someone's going to say, I don't know that the hit tools there. I don't know that the power is there, um, you know, speed, like what, what is it that I'm, you know, I'm banking on. So Gonzalez got almost 4 million bucks to go to the White Sox, a team that, needs to reset because they twice now maybe thrice times i think thrice times they have tried to become a team and not make that next step happen (laughs) and i'm gonna say the first time was when they acquired you know traded sale got um got Gio gonzalez back in that offseason you know when they made like several moves so um that was also reynaldo lopez um that in in and within that so when when you're making those kind of moves, you're you're resetting the table. They're in that mode right now, and I don't know that they're going to push up because they still have. They're like the mid two thousands Blue Jays. They've got a bunch of guys who you know their names. They got players that you want, like Luis Robert, to do great things. And 
it's just it doesn't look great. So there's there's time for players like Gonzalez to develop. Now he's he's a college bat, um, you know, old miss, and I think he's going to get a little bit of a push. Now maybe he's not heavy high contact. Uh, he could move to third base. That would solve a heck of a problem that the White Sox have mm-hmm. right now. Um, love to see the the scouting reports be a little bit nicer. Uh, but you know, in the first pro season, he's just going to have to prove it. Um, I'm personally not drafting him because I don't know that we're going to see more than like the single peak season of like 20 home runs. And if you if he's in the right spot in the batting order, you know, 80 RBIs is a possibility. Mm-hmm. Of course, uh, the higher in the order, he could head up to 80 runs. But I think that's kind of peak um, for him in a 265 average would would again be like above league average at the moment, um, but not what you want out of your former first round pick. But I'm looking for game changers personally in the first round. He's not inside my top 30 uh, first year player draft even. But I feel like within the White Sox organization, he's going to get every opportunity to come up. And sometimes these are the players that can sneak through. And when you actually you know look from a fantasy perspective at the White Sox, like uh, there's a guy in my next three that I thought could have overtaken him on the depth charts, but it looks like the Sox have moved him away from where I thought he should be playing mm-hmm. and he's just going to go into the fold and I'll get to that name when the time comes. So he's not in my next three. So that's, oh, so yeah. Ronnie, so Ronnie, you might be regretting it. Maybe in the next <laughs> first year player draft, you might not want to get him. So. Well, I will tell you a big part of that is I wanted to highlight the third guy I'm going to mention here. Okay. Um, first one is you're going to cringe. It's, it's a catcher. It's Edgar Quiero. Um, What's your deal, man? What's your deal with the catchers, Ben? Hey, I like really good defensive catchers because they're going to be future major leaguers. But all that does is get them up. That doesn't get fantasy stats. I am thinking fantasy baseball. Absolutely. And Kiro, to me, reminds me a lot of someone like Jonah Heim. He's not going to be a good hitter for a bit. I like that. But he's got some raw power that get him some time. And he's going to be able to pop out some home runs. I don't know. Hyden this year had a way above what I ever would have expected type of season with the plate. But um, but then again, that was really early. He kind of he definitely calmed down as the season yes. went on. And that's yeah. He he had the James Outman effect of hey everybody well, look at me and then tone down. And Texas was like you know what we should do we should find another catcher <laughs> which <laughs> we yeah. should make sure we can get hits from that position when well we and when you play 131 games at catcher it does wear on you as the season goes on that's the other end of things is they never really when garver got hurt they were kind of sol as far as making sure they had somebody who could give them both offense and defense behind or give them offense and play catcher and so they're like well shoot i you're still hitting so get in the lineup um, well, once upon a time, Ben, um, there was this uh, future stud named Sam Huff at catcher with Texas. <laughs> yeah. And I'm going to remind oh, you yeah. of him since you're bringing up a catcher now and just say, oh. remember the love that some people have because they're mm-hmm. like, this catcher can hit and he can stand behind the plate and crouch down. Um, th- there's a lot to it. It's so hard to be a major league catcher that's effective. So I appreciate that you're taking the defense first side instead of the this guy's oh, yeah. got a stick baby um you know I, I get it i just feel like in the overall of fantasy one of the things i love to do is just immediately remove catchers 
from my top 39 in my drafts because I don't want to jump on a catcher. I'll let them fall yep. to me. You know, when we get to the Rangers, there is a catcher that I like, um, but he'll probably be in my next three, probably be the very last guy. But anywho, let's stay on top oh. with the White Sox. So, yeah. And then, you know, just so another name just for a comparison point is a guy like Miguel Olivo. You don't want to start that guy as your catcher. But in a two-catcher league, he was always a pretty solid second catcher to have because you knew he had a chance to give you 18 to 25 bombs. It just was going to be 220. So that's right. so. my other two are both going to be pitchers. Uh, Jake Eater, who I will say there's a lot of folks holding on to what he was before his surgery. And right now, he's not that guy. Um, he's topping out around 90. Uh, he had a slider that folks compared to teammate Max Meyer, who, if those of you who follow who know Max Meyer with the Marlins, Max Meyer had, or still has, a slider that gets 70 to 80 grades on it. It is one of the best sliders in all of baseball, and Eater's slider was compared to that before surgery. He's come back. It's a solid plus slider. But when you're throwing 90 with a slider that's just plus and the other stuff hasn't really found the zone consistently, that's more of a mid-tier starter. Um, not a not a guy that could be a future number two, but a guy who's probably looking more like a four. And um, that's that's right now uh, been in a very weak central. Oh, yeah. Which is not necessarily going to be the case in, you know, in two years when, yeah, you know, exactly. the, the churn and burn of a lot of the prospects we're talking about now are up and in and making lineups stronger. Now, the third guy is also a pitcher for me, but he's one that I think goes under the radar too much in that system. And that's Christian Mena. Um, I really like him as a yeah, scan down. There you go. Yeah. So yeah, if you're on the YouTubes right now with us, uh, we're checking out where the MLB.com uh, top 30 organizational prospects are, which is a great fantasy resource. And something else that I did want to mention when I was talking specifically fantasy value, going back to Jacob Gonzalez right now could be his fantasy peak. Um, you know, by May, if he starts off hot, he could hold that like top three, four within the organization. He could also then fall back into the teens and be uh, post Kai Bush territory. Oh. Let me tell you, you don't want to be down below Bush. <laughs> I got a million of them. I can't stop myself. <laughs> but the Mena is a guy who I think just he really has a lot of that mid rotation type of stuff to me. It's not. I don't think he's ever going to be an, an ace, an elite type of guy, but he's, you know, he's 6'2", he's solidly built, repeats his delivery really well. He's just, he's a guy you watch and you just go, okay, that makes sense. That's a that's a future major leaguer. The thing that I that he struggles with right now is that fastball will flatten out bad. And so he gave up 18 home mm-hmm. runs and 133 innings last year in the minors. Now that's all upper level, but still... Mm-hmm. That's really his biggest thing. But he struck out 156 in those 133 innings. So um, we'll Give see what take. he gets. I guess for, maybe for me, it's going to be if he's going to if he's going to be giving him up, he's going to need to do it early in the inning and not after he's got a guy on. It's going to yep. drastically affect his numbers and inflate a lot of numbers. Uh, I was just quickly checking on fan tracks, not a sponsor. 
yet. Um, but rostered in 16% of fan tracks leagues. And that, that is where you go for dynasty baseball. So mm-hmm. when you see 16% right now, that means he's pretty widely uh, rostered because they're just really starting to rip up at this point in the off season with the redraft leagues. And in all of my dynasty leagues, but one, um, he is rostered right now. That's Mina. So uh, the dynasty minds are onto him. But Ben, I, I like I like that idea. You know, a solid solid guy. Yeah. Ken so, Chad says, can I cheat and count Crochet as a rookie? Um, like, uh, honestly, you twenty twenty four is going to be the year. Sorry, twenty twenty five is going to be the year of Crochet. So we're going to get thirty saves this year from Crochet. Uh, and then next year we're going to get 30 starts. It's the 30-30 from a pitcher that nobody asked for, Chad. <laughs> and then Joe brought up Nestrini. I don't know if he's in your next group. No. Um, but I went a little silly with this one. Okay. <laughs> the Dodgers traded him away, and I've always really liked Nestrini's, like, his whole package of stuff. It's just that he can't locate it. <laughs> and what I will say is, that team now has lost their closer. And um, so they're, they're looking at a bullpen that's pretty much wide open. Mm-hmm. I mean, so if he can locate it enough to work in that role, he might find himself coming out of, out of spring training with a closer's job. So as fantasy owners, we definitely need to take note of who he is. But... Yeah, the the stuff is ridiculous. I just wish I knew for sure where he was going to pitch. I don't know. I'm not sure that he's a starter. Um, Nestrini, 34% rostered on Fantrax. And I will say, this would be an amazing idea for a team like the White Sox, who have a bunch of cuspy-type guys with location issues, to just say, this will be our bullpen. You know, these kind of four dudes are going to sort it out. Because, I mean, it would be so much fun to have – five guys with saves you know in april i mean it'd be frustrating but at the same time it's like the great thing when you're like who will be the guy who will get it and at the same time when they get it they're going to have a ton of control uh for the white Sox themselves you know to like really cement them as the closer or the setup guy or whatever which again crochet is a lefty not the ideal closer um doesn't mean you can't do it right talk to you know chapman uh owners out there who who just signed today uh, with the pirates fun little non-prospect fact. Uh, but but Chapman was once a starter as a prospect too. So um, so I, I said my top three first. Let's hear your uh, next three first, Ben. Oh, you're still on mute, my friend. Damn technology. He's going to get it, everybody. That, Believe that, in him. There he is. He's that, back. <laughs> that and three screens to drag the dang mouse across. So it was like, you know, <laughs> get over here. All right. Um, no, that were, th- those were my three. Caro uh eater and mena are my three okay uh for the next three so so who do you have for years you said you went a little goofy i did yes so i I don't really think it's goofy i think this is a proper next three because i am letting a wave clear and um then we are going with 2023 seventh round pick uh 17 year old george wilco so he would have been a first round pick in this coming draft uh, June 2024, and it's a steal if the Sox can do slow growth with him. But I got to be honest, like I, I think he's a, a top 30 first-year player draft guy, but he could also be nobody ever. And he's six foot seven, soaking wet, 190 pounds. This sexy lefty 
could 100% become your Evan Carter, your Jared Kelnick, your name the high school, you know, hyped up guy. Um, the difference is that Wilco won't get the hype because he was a seventh rounder. He he got, you know, overslot, he got his money, but he is not at all going to be forgotten because he's he's a project in the sense that he's in pro ball a full year earlier. And that's what I want to see the White Sox do. Treat him like a project and make sure they're happy with everything that he's doing and then move him up. Um, what and do you got I, on him? Well, I was just going to say, he's, he's a guy who he reminds me a ton of where Elijah Green was coming out of this the hmm. summer before his draft season, and then he just was, you know, everyone saw him hit these holy crap names or holy crap bombs in his senior year, and he moved up lists way too far because of the raw athleticism. And Wolkow's got that kind of an athlete yeah. profile. And it's just a matter of athletes don't always turn into baseball players. You know, so yeah, absolutely. That's the uh, oh my goodness, who's the guy that was with the Blue Jays forever? He was like a top 100 prospect, kicked around, ended up with the Pirates, and then they Alfred? didn't do anything. Yes, thank Anthony you, Anthony Alfred. Alfred. Yeah. That's that was my my uh, comp to calm everybody down with them. Thank you. Um, yeah, just wanting to make sure that nobody thought, oh, this is the guy, but that but he he has the tools of the top high school guys, but the thought was he's not gonna sign, but he made himself eligible so. You know, he did enough to say, you know, I want to be drafted, but somebody's got to pay me. So my next guy up is Wilfred Varis, uh, former third baseman and apparently now an outfielder uh, with the Sox, which is what bums me out because I thought he was a pretty legitimate 2020 type guy. Promoted to double A late in the summer, had a very nice high season. And when he got to double A, what did he do, Ben? He got better. Average speed power and the, the speed was a little new for him. Right fielder, first base might be the future. Um, and he's got Tatis bloodlines for those who appreciate a family connection. That's a Robbie baseball scouting report right there. Um, you get zero actual numbers, but reasons to love the player. And he's been kind of in sleeper mode too, because he's never been the guy you should really focus on. And at 22, there's a good chance, or sorry, at 21 now, by the time he's 22, good chance he'll be in AAA. And again, like I'm just I'm looking for the Moncada replacement and I'm not sold on uh, long, long term first base, you know, locked and loaded with the White Sox uh, to, you know, player X. I, I think that he could come up and, and carve out a spot. So he's got enough height to be able to do it. Um, you know, he's not a 5'10 guy who's trying to who won't be able to reach for those balls. <laughs> ben. Um, so anyway, what uh, what do you got on Varys? <laughs> Oh, sorry. I, I only ask you questions when I see you grab water and take a drink. I'm so, so mean. Um, anyway, you got anything no. on Varys? Yeah, I mean, just he's he's like, I think you hit him well in that I, I like him. You know, he, he you we talked about Dylan Beavers earlier, just being a guy who can do a lot of things well. Um, but he's the type that I could see being like a fourth outfielder for somebody for a while. Like he just, he's not, he doesn't have, you know, Joe mentioned, you know, he's not, he's got some defensive issues, which is why he's at a corner. Um, And even there, he's kind of, 
got some issues. <laughs> and again, that's why I'm mentioning the the possibility of a first base situation. Yeah. Um, not that that means, you know, a poor defender goes there, but it's where you can put somebody who's going to spend more time catching a thrown ball than a hit ball. Yeah. Um, which, you know, when you get into coaching, one of the things you always look for in your first baseman is somebody who's able to get to the ball and what you want in your, you know, corner fielder or sorry, your corner infielders is somebody who can anticipate. So they just need to be positioned correctly, which at first base is a little bit easier to do than it's going to be in a corner outfield or third base even. Um, I mean, third base, I really like the idea of somebody who just can hit the ball hard, but obviously plays defense. Matt Chapman's a great example of a really good third baseman. You just wish he didn't swing so damn much. Um, <laughs> and Varus, as far as uh, Joe also commented about the breaking ball, yep. 100% agree that there are issues that could arise, but there's also major league coaching, and there are very strict coaches who can do things like tell a guy i mean you know talk about uh the dodgers last year do not swing you know do, do, tell, telling a a hitter like they'll look right your first two your yeah. first two pitches you swing at x percentage um and x percentage are strikes you know thrown strikes this is what we want to see from you you know come spring training and then your first 15 games and then they'll say now swing at your first two pitches. You know, like they, there could be a way in which they can help his hitter's eye. Um, and one of the big things you can do in that is you can increase or decrease your first movement. So if you're not a leg kick guy, which I don't believe Varus is anything wacky within that, uh, you can contain yourself a little more or you can let yourself loose. Then you can, of course, get into silliness where you um, completely change your swing and ruin the player. That's not what I think any pro coach wants to do. They just want to find a way to improve the rhythm in the eye of a hitter. And if they're able to do that through something very basic, you know, like a lot of golf instruction is do a minor tweak and see if that works. Basically your, your body's going to revert back no matter what, but just try to feel uncomfortable and see if you, you know, get a bit more confidence within it. Varus could be that guy. And again, as a rookie, first thing, not, you know, his career won't be as a rookie, of course, as a rookie is going to see a lot of heaters. You know, the major league rule of thumb is pitchers say beat my fastball before I throw you my breaking stuff. So he could have some early, you know, success. I just, I'd like the potential here. That's, that's what I'm saying yeah. with him. So my final so guy, third? Yep. yeah, my final guy here is Tanner McDougal, uh, 2020 fifth round pick, um, kind of a hidden gem, Tommy John surgery guy. He'll be in double A this season. If he keeps it rolling, uh, are you ready for this? He's yeah. got Trevor Bauer level spin rates. Am I allowed to say that name on the podcast? Um, <laughs> and, and the Sox gave him over slot after his combine. Remember the combine was a thing. Uh, oh, yeah. funny. Um, because they, they got those extra, those extra points on him. So, uh, he throws mid nineties, 80 slider and seventies curve. I love it. You know, you got, you got enough velocity change here that I think this could be an interesting guy. I put uh, the Bauer trigger alert. Yeah. I've, I've put the Brett Cecil comp, on him and if you understand you know like i said look it up yeah. brett cecil was a starter won i think 14 games and then eventually fell back to the bullpen i'm still gonna take the 14 win guy who still ends up in a major league bullpen um as a flyer right if that's my comp which it is of course uh, i think there's something that could be said and look at the smile on him Aww. look at that smile if he's not gonna pitch you know what he's gonna do he's gonna be your local congressman i was just gonna say he's gonna <laughs> win the hearts of mothers yeah. everywhere. <laughs> That's so. right. Yeah. <laughs> this is the Blotso Podcast. If you're in a hotel room right now, check to see if there's a Bible in your second drawer, courtesy of Gideon's. We'll be right back after these pointless messages. <laughs> 
What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. So that's that's my other guy there. Um, did we have any additional socks to mention? I, I'm yeah. sure no one wants to hear it all about Cespedes, so we uh, don't yeah, have to worry well, about that. Sadly, uh, uh, we brought this up before. I'm going to highlight it again real quick. But Chad mentioned their um, their recent recent international signee Eduardo Herrera. Now he mentioned, he calls it an Albert Pujols clone. I don't see that at all. Um, Watching Herrera, he's a guy, he, he watches defensive drills, and you go, and, and you we've talked about this before, that the defensive drill videos you get on guys from the Dominican oh, before they've played are, you know, they either look like they're most, the most amazing thing on the planet or they look absolute crap. Um, he's in the latter group at third base already. Um, moved off of short, and he's at third, and he looks like crap. Um I don't know that he's ever going to work anywhere than first, which really puts a ton of pressure on that bat uh, as he moves up in the system. Of course, I'm saying all this about a kid who wouldn't even be a senior in high school right now. So, you know, we also have to understand that he's got time to potentially develop. But and, And there's plenty to like in the bat. I just, I don't... I don't, he, he's going to be very bat reliant. Let's just put it that mm-hmm. way. I'm not sure if there's a life, if that bat is 50% of what they hope, I don't think that there's going to be a defense enough to have a future major leaguer there. So, okay. All right. Let's get on to the, the big topic for the night. Oh, favorite. Warmed, how far are we into this one? What are, what are we? Yeah. Minute 11? We're 55 minute 55. Minutes. Yeah. So, okay. Time to go to Coors. 
Yeah, we are coors. <laughs> See, and I even have the bass with my my voice all messed up. I can do the coors, you know. Yeah. So, <laughs> all right. So, my top three. I've got Adele Amador, Yankeel Fernandez, and then I I I can't quit him. I love Chase Dolander. So, those okay. are my my three. All right, I'm I'm looking forward to the Dolander discussion because it's it's a good <laughs> one, especially in first year player drafts. Um, I just keep dropping them down and yeah. I mean, I'll, I can talk about why. So, uh, I've got in an exact and particular order, uh, <laughs> I've got Grant Levine as my number oh. one. Oh boy. <laughs> Let that sink in everybody. That's a 2018 first round pick who was not protected in this year's rule five draft. Also not picked up in this year's rule five draft. My number two is Yankel Fernandez, 21 year old he was protected from the rule five draft this year and my number three is ryan ritter a 23 year old shortstop uh fourth round pick in 2022 so let's get your boring guys out of the way you're as (laughs) as people would say legitimate prospects (laughs) uh you know i really i think amador is a guy who's i don't know that he's gonna ever be a guy who leads a second base ranking Mm -hmm. but he's the type of guy who's gonna probably have a pretty consistent career you know a guy who's gonna put up double double you know home runs and steals and hit for enough average to where he should be giving you some valuable runs and rbi too along the way um but he's just not i i've seen him ranked as high as like 11 in a dynasty ranking. And I kind of, I mean, in real life, I really, really, really like Amador because he can pick it at second. He really can pick it at second. And -hmm. you put him with Tovar, who's a, you know, very definitely an above average shortstop. They can actually help their pitching a lot just by the simple fact that those two boys are up the middle. The thing is, I don't think he's that kind of a bat to be ranked 11 in a dynasty ranking. Now, if you tell me 11 in an overall in a real life ranking, sure. But in dynasty, no. So, um, and then uh, I guess if you want to get into, you know, Yankeel, we can both agree. It's just the bat's just fun. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's not, there's definitely some work he needs to do on actually taking a pitch, but um, well, he he's, you know, solid lefty bat, like what he lacks in stolen bases for fantasy owners. He's going to make up in power, you know, K rate. Obviously, we got concerned, but he is walking. Um, you get mm-hmm. it. You, you know, you keep that that going up. And again, I, I like to talk a lot about the idea of professional coaches helping, not hurting these guys. You know, he gets a good two strike approach, um, you know, once he's in an MLB clubhouse. We could see a player who, instead of having a lot of Ks, not that he's going to all of a sudden get more walks, but uh, he could have some slap singles, right? It's a huge park in course. Half your games are going to be there. It obviously doesn't mean 300 average for everybody, um, but it, it it does mean that there's potential on this guy, which is what we're banking on for fantasy here. You know, he really <laughs> started to get on list. Joe's comments. Great. Uh, Joe says, even when the kill doesn't swing at a pitch, it looks like he really, really wanted to swing at the pitch that bounced 10 feet in front of the plate. You know, who else used to do that? Uh, Vlad Guerrero. 
the original. Wow. I was, not I, that I'm making the comparable, but yeah. to the comments, the comparable would be, you know, somebody who just wants to smack a ball. Um, yeah. yeah, I'm not talking about at, Jose Reyes. At I'm the talking plate, about and and you know, this is nothing defense, this is nothing speed, but at the plate only, I think there's some Carlos Gonzalez cops that you can make. Oh, fun. And, That's fun. I mean, That's a top you know, 10 dynasty guy right and there. And Carlos, Carlos didn't ever really walk a lot either. Um, he relied on a 300 average to have a decent, uh, to have a decent on base percentage, you know, but when, when that average went south, so did his on base. Um, yeah. But that's a guy that I think could, you know, he could give you some solid years of left-handed swings. I, I don't think Fernandez is anywhere near the athlete. He's not going to challenge 30-30 um, by any means. But in that outfield, he can handle playing a corner in that outfield. And with his contact ability, even not taking as many pitches as you'd like, I could see him doing similar type of things. Yeah, he's exciting, which is great for fantasy, yeah. right? He's not like his his basement is this. It's like, you know, he hit Helton's burger shack in left field. Oh, this was the cargo ball. Yeah. That's nice. Yeah. For cargo. Um, so that's, was that your three? Sorry. Was Fernandez was your third? Uh, no. And then my Sorry, third Dol- is, is our discussion yeah. on Dollander. And right. uh, Ooh, let's do it. Let me stretch. All right. Okay. <laughs> oh, Colorado. Talent, okay. Talent wise. <laughs> I don't know that you can make our argument that there's anyone other than Paul Skeen's better than Dollander coming out of this last year's draft. But he landed with the Rockies. And everyone's freaking out now. Now, here's what I will say. He had some stuff in his final year at Tennessee that makes you wonder, ooh, is he really that good? Um, And, you know, the strikeouts were still there, but he got real... His fastball straightened out a lot. I mean... For a guy that was absolutely dominant, considered potentially the number one overall pick coming into the year, he allowed uh, 14 home runs in just 89 innings of college ball. Mm-hmm. That tells you exactly what happened. Is I mean, it, he, but yet he still struck out 120 over 120 over 89 innings. The guy's got legit stuff. He just really really straightened out that fastball a bunch this last year and didn't sequence where the crap with it. Um, a college uh, scout, I think is the right way, right term to call him that I trust very much uh, said that Dollander loved to challenge everybody. Yep. So his plan was to beat you, not to, you know, get you out. He wanted to beat you, which is why the K's were high and the home runs were high. So he, you know, screwed up 18 times, basically. He got beat 18 times, but he beat over 120 guys. But like you said about the straight ball, the one thing you need at Coors, you need some damn severe movement because yeah. it's, you know, it's like my my comment on just Colorado pitching, because I didn't know if you were going to do this. I didn't know if you wanted to take the step of mentioning the Colorado prospect pitcher. But I got to start off by saying, you know, pitching is muted in that huge ass park. And the lack of ball movement in cures, in cures, it's not a slight on any pitcher, but it's why it's special. If I like one enough to mention rostering them, um, and it's not at a fair price. 
Uh, yes, Cures is spelt C U R E S. That's a Canadian accent version. That's a Canadian accent. <laughs> Cures. Um, just generically speaking, Colorado pitchers should fall down several tiers before they're drafted. They gotta they gotta fall to you or be super cheap in you know auction league or whatever. Even a local product, Kyle Freeland is at best a league average pitcher. And that's at best, like we could have seen the best of him. Remember German Marquez love of 2018? He couldn't uh-huh. beat Coors. John Gray was better at Coors than he was on the road and then left and, and has not been this elite guy. Um, but Colorado distinctly drafts guys that they know have a lot of movement within their pitches to, to historically. I need to start that off again. Historically. Uh, Colorado drafts guys who have a lot of movement within their pitches, I think because they hope they can create even more. So when it comes to curves, they're swing and miss. Um, the, uh, Chad, you make a comment. The other issue is Rocky's pitching development has not been great of late. You don't need to have of late in there. Um, <laughs> yeah, and it, it can just be development period because all that we see on the fantasy side is hype, hype, hype of players. And what we, keep missing on the course or sorry on the Rockies players is results, results, results. So I love Dollander. I really do, but I just don't want him on my roster as a Rocky because I've done it with other guys. Like, you know, I've drafted on, um, what was, Oh my goodness. 2020. They traded him to the reds. Uh, whatever, whatever that guy's name is McMahon. (laughs) I think something like that. I was like, this is a guy who's got some good movement on pitches. Yeah. I'm going to take a chance. And he got traded to the Reds. And I was like, they're perfect. But now he's kind of buried in and amongst the Reds. Uh, but it wasn't looking great when he was with the Rockies. So yeah. I'm you, very afraid of Dollander. But I, I I agree with you. Like, he's a great pitcher. It's you, just that he's not in a good park. You mentioned... Um, you mentioned... It wasn't Hoffman. But he was no, no, no. very much like Dollander's for potential number one before yeah. the season. Well, yeah. see, and that's why I think Gray kind of fits that mold. You mentioned John Gray. John Gray mm-hmm. was a guy who had holy crap stuff coming out yep. of college. They picked him third overall. And everyone kind of went, boy, in cores, I'm not sure I like that because he's real fastball heavy. He's real, you know, all these things. And by the time he got to the majors, you kind of looked at him and went, okay, I can see where this might have some value. And so then you were able to – that was when to pounce on John Gray. Because he was a you know just about to become a major leaguer, and you're like, okay, I see where there's at least a mid rotation type of guy, and that's um, so that's who they uh, no I so I think you're talking about Chris McMahon. Is that who you're talking about? Former Miami starter, didn't he get traded? I believe so. I'm looking. I'm looking. Okay. Up, but... So, um, but yeah, that's that's my big thing. How about your so? Uh, I'm trying to think of who's your other top three. And so my my number oh, one. Oh, Grant Levine. We need to Grant talk Levine. about Levine. Why why Levine? <clears throat> okay, so there's this thing in baseball, Ben. I think you know it's called OBP. Some leagues they use this stat. Uh, that's your on base percentage. That's what Grant Levine does. He's not on the forty man. I don't know why, but I I expect him to potentially. See time in 2024 lefty repeating double a uh, with a sub 290 Babbitt hurts the eye, but this is Colorado. They don't have a first baseman locked in. I even just looked was something I hate to do in the off season. I recommend all of you also hate this look on um, Fangraphs roster resource page at the positions that 
teams are, or sorry, that they're saying this is where the guy is going to to play. Uh, it's amazing. So they they think Chris Bryant is going to be healthy. <laughs> oh man, that's funny. And they think he's going to play first base. So what I'm saying is that the position's not locked up, and Levine could find a way to get at bats. Obviously, he's got to play some Triple A ball. But let's just assume he starts this year in Triple A. And then the coaching staff does this thing, which I'm going to talk a lot about, which is not stat necessarily related, but it's baseball related, which can help us in fantasy. Um, You know, we want you to have the goals of improving your contact. We don't want you to be Kevin Biggio and watch strike three go by you. Um, We want you to continue to walk. And and we want you to understand that there's a future for you with the Rockies. Because if you, if you, you know, if he doesn't think there's going to be anything there with him, if for some reason he's back at double a, you know, throw this, projection out the window but otherwise if he goes to triple a he's knocking on the door you know he's one 60 day dl away from getting on the 40 man and being called up the next weekend there's no need because they got him through the rule five to have him immediately get on the 40 man he can absolutely wait until there's a devastating injury or whatever a trade a dfa something to come up and on um monteros is the other potential first base guy corner infielder type i i don't think they want to lock and load him in either so I really like the idea of Levine being the quiet one who gets production for fantasy purposes. Um, and that's all I have to say about that. Ryan Ritter, or do you want to say, yeah, do you want to? We, we can go on Ritter. Ritter's, okay. I, I'm letting you, you, you can have all the Grant Levine you want on that. <laughs> okay. No, I'm happy to take it. Uh, I did in a, a particular 30 team league. I picked up. Uh, Levine and what we have is our rule five draft. So we have contracts. So the first is for a rookie. And then if you, pick anybody in the rule five, they immediately go to a second and they go up to a third, fourth and a fifth. And then they're free agent and there's money attached to each one. So we pay real money. So I, I was willing to pay one real, and this is American money, by the way, one real American <laughs> dollar to put Grant Levine on my 40 man. Um, no, this was not uh, the to be named later league. I think that's what uh, captain Govier is asking. No, this is a different one. Uh, this is the true test major league dynasty baseball league, very highly competitive uh, you know, over $10,000 was in that league. 10,000 American dollars was in that league last year. Anyway, let's get, let's get on to Ryan Ritter, yeah. uh, fourth round pick in 2022. Amazing defender. Joe, I'm with you, buddy. Uh, love Ritter as a defender. Not sure he's going to hit enough. Now here's what I'd like to say. Uh, he was the best minor league hitter in the first half of 2023. It was low a ball. He got promoted and he stumbled. And then everyone was like, okay, that was a little blip. But he still finished the year in double A and should do the double A promotion to triple A in 2024 with, again, I'm going to the goals, the goals of repeating the hot start of 2023 and average and power. Um, but I mean, the stolen God, bases. That, just look at that smile. I mean, yeah. You, you're telling me you don't want that guy to play baseball? What's wrong with you? What's wrong? 23 year old righty. Um, he has the potential to slot in the 2025, you know, bench role, second, third shortstop, you know, backup type guy. Um, the power was new last year, but again, we want to see what's really there with Ritter at a higher level of competition. And Ben, you've talked before about the parks um, that Colorado plays in or the leagues that they're in in various parks and how, you know, park factors can be a deterrent for pitching and a plus or, or a hidden um, stat line can, uh, can emerge, you know, like it looks better than it actually yep. is. So we got to watch Ritter closely, but I'm just stating that there's potential with Ritter. And I don't know that it's locked and loaded, but again, I don't want to just say, Hey, here's a guy that's on everybody's list that I think is great. Cause Colorado doesn't give a shit 
I swore. I'm so sorry. Um, but they really don't. They really don't about that. Oh. And I think that's why we could see Levine. I think that's why Fernandez is a safe guy to be in a in a big three. And Ritter is a quiet, you know, quiet guy to be in. But I think he's legitimate as well because the defense is there. Uh, think Ramon Urias. And if you're in deep leagues, Urias is somebody who, with Baltimore, um, who plays and he can contribute because he's league average type guy. So, so now let's get into your next big three, which I'm mm-hmm. kind of curious of with Kyler. You said you you found some fun guys there too. Yeah, Brian Bencourt's a guy, a J, mm-hmm. J2 guy from 2021, who I loved in 2021, 2022. And then he came over last year. Um, I also have Kevin Hidalgo, who's a 2022 J2 guy, 19 year old. He's a shortstop. Everybody's always a J2 shortstop except for Betancourt, who's a first baseman. And then my last guy is Mason Albright, who's a former, um, high school. I think he's like an IMG Academy guy. He's also, uh, angels draft pick the year they drafted 19 college pitchers and Mason. And then they traded Mason for future hall of famer randall gritchick um and uh albright as a lefty is underwhelming but i mentioned earlier the fact that colorado drafts for the park you know guys with movement guys with the stuff that they want not necessarily the stuff um and so let me see here without the velo he could be seen as a limited starting pitcher but in colorado they specialize in developing SPs to suit course. This is my own notes, everybody. I'm plagiarizing myself. I think he could roll out of a ball later this year with a game plan that his stat line won't show. Get outs with some case. Pitch for innings and trust the D and so on. Basically, I think Colorado will make him a Colorado starter. So he will continue to develop and be somewhat underwhelming. Um, but because he was a 12th round pick in 2021, only a few dynasty guys were really excited about the possibility of Albright being a diamond in the rough. Um, but generally speaking, people wanted to kind of do the wait and see. Now I think in Colorado, there's a path might be a little clearer for him. Again, it's it's pitch to outs, pitch to contact, not try to challenge everybody and get them all out. So that's my bit. I'll talk about the other two after, but who do you have? So my my next big three are all outfielders. Oh, um, Jordan Beck, Sterling mm-hmm. Thompson, and then Chad's going to probably have a conniption fit of happiness. But Zach Veen is the third okay. one. Okay. Okay. Because frankly, I just thought more than anything, we need to talk about, you know, he's the Bruno of this. Of this uh, <laughs> Should we bring Eric Cross on? Should we yeah. bring Eric Cross on to talk about Veen? Because I will never forget Bruno. that hype train. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It got bad, but. Um, Veen is, you know, we, I think we've actually talked about him on another show that we did already, just yeah. that he looks the part and, you know, does athletic things. Oh, we're going to get to Cole Carrick. We're going to get to Cole yep. Carrick. Don't you worry Don't about worry, that. Joe. But, we got, we got you covered. But, uh, I don't know. I just... Veen is seriously in the Puerto Rican Winter League. I it was I just, there Australia and the flight was shorter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I just looked at it, I went and because let's just say the winter leagues, that's 
I would trust numbers coming out of Australia more than Puerto Rico. Um, and he's putting up big numbers, and so everyone's going to be really, really excited about him because he's hitting 420 in, right. in Puerto Rico. But anyway. He's, he's smoking the 32-year-old lefties. Yeah. Lefty-on-lefty numbers are going to look real strong headed into spring training. <laughs> so he's he's a guy that he put up amazing numbers in Fresno. He put up amazing numbers in Spokane. And a million stolen he, bases also. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. and immediately hit a wall when he got to – Hartford. Hartford is about their most neutral park in that system. And then went back there again this year and hit 200. Well, 209. We'll give him some credit. It was closer to 210, but still a 612 OPS. And this is a guy who he has the physical frame that you would go, oh, that's a that's a guy that's going to hit, you know, 20 bombs, 30 bombs someday, but probably 20 pretty consistent. And it's just, it's long arms, long legs on a guy who's 6'3", 6'4", but he's a lot of arms and legs. And it just, he never seems to have the swing altogether. Um, It just, it, when he went to the fall league, it looked really good because he didn't swing at anything. The guy walked 15 times, struck out eight times in 99 plate appearances. So it looked amazing because he really wasn't swinging at a ton. And... He kind of gave some people some different idea about what he might be, and then he showed it again this year that, yeah, maybe not quite. Now, Mm -hmm. a lot of that's injury this year. He had some definite injury issues, and the guy has legit speed underway. But, again, we're talking about long levers. So when he goes to steal second base in the majors, he's in trouble. Going first to third, he might be just fine because he is a very good base runner. But those long levers take a couple seconds to get or take a couple steps to get going. And in the minors, you can do that off of minor league catching. But you aren't going to do that against major league catchers. I'm a little sad that you picked Zach Veen instead of a surefire bet like Sean Bouchard. Um, <laughs> and I'm just I'm just hopping on my my fan track. Your first lead. base. Because <laughs> uh, I have him in a couple dynasties. And I love that I just looked and it said um, the drafted percentage for Bouchard uh, was 20% right now. But when I actually clicked on like rostered uh, in 0% and started starting in 0% of Fantrax leagues. But <clears throat> Bouchard uh, would not be a prospect eligible guy for next year. Or sorry, for this this coming season if he didn't get hurt last year. Uh, he's 27 last year was supposed to be his breakout year. So I was excited for it when he got a little, you know, uh, tea sandwich last year. And then he came up, you know, this year for just that little bit of cup of coffee at the end. Uh, but he and Veen, I think are who, who, between the two, who do you think is going to have a better MLB career? Cause I honestly am leaning on Bouchard right now. <laughs> I Veen is a really good example of athleticism does not equal baseball. Yeah. yeah we we've, Found out or not found out. We've said Anthony Alford. I think we could maybe group him into that. He's trying real damn hard, but the numbers just don't seem to reflect. um, He's got to show it in the upper minors. And and an athlete can make his way through a ball, but an athlete gets to double A and that's where you separate the ball players from the athletes. And then obviously the next step is made. The next huge step is majors. But um, yeah, I, I, 
I would take, I mean, Broussard's got a chance that he could pull off a couple CJ Crone type of years and then disappear from the world. Man, um, or he could, those couple years, so. or, or he could, <laughs> you know, he could be Kevin Crone instead, but you know, so you oh. just never know. <laughs> but, well done with the Crone and Crone. Um, yeah. Yeah. But yes. Okay. So, so with so Veen, again, we're, we're terrified, yeah. but we're, there's hope, right? Like there's, there's the potential, I should say, not hope. So Is that then, fair? Yeah. I mean, there, because you have to always give the potential to an athlete like that. You just mm-hmm. have to, until they've failed their way out of it. And he's not really had the, a full season yet at double a because of injuries and late season promotions and all this, that, um, the guys who I mentioned otherwise, Beck, tremendous athlete. I think I think if you had Beck in that outfield in cores, he's gonna just he would grab all sorts of things. He's he's a really athletic guy. The type of guy who's probably gonna hit a twenty twenty with a two twenty batting average, though. And that's the scary part, is you know, I just I don't see that there's gonna be a big batting average there at all so his best case scenario is the fact he's in colorado that could bump that up but it's not a true hitting average it's a park factors okay i mean quite frankly think old school mike cameron type of numbers oh are his best one are his best uh, outcome you know not not a 30 30 guy but a 20 20 guy what a grinder what a grinder he was I, I love my Cameron, um, but Sterling Thompson, on the other hand, I don't mm-hmm. know what he's ever going to put up for home runs or stolen bases, but he's going to be the type of guy that's going to put up. He's going to have 300 seasons in that ballpark because he is a tremendous gap hitter and has enough speed to maybe steal 10 bases, but I don't know that he's a guy that I would ever count on being a 30 steal guy. And so, you know, that's, I just, I really like his total of, he's going to get to the majors and he's going to have 40 doubles in that park and hit for, you know, big time average. And it's, it's going to look really nice. <laughs> I mean, it's mm-hmm. just, he fits really well with that system. And in that park, it's just a matter of, he's not going to be flashy. And right. I think he's the type of guy that you could get. You remember Frank Catalanato? Oh, the cat baby. <laughs> Oh. He once wrote off topic. He, I believe he was the guy. No, maybe it was Shea Hillenbrand. I will save that comment for another podcast. <laughs> but <laughs> Catalanato was an amazing guy mm-hmm. to have on the on your bench or have on your fantasy team because then this is, um, you know, Joe just mentioned this here. This is exactly the thing with Sterling is, is he going to play second? Play. Is he going to play third? Is he going to play outfield? Catalanato played all over the place would get himself 140 games, 450 to 500 played appearances, and hit for average all the time. It wasn't great home runs, wasn't great steals, but that was a guy you could plug into your lineup and go, okay, I can maybe go find a guy who's going to crush baseballs and hit. You know, I, I can afford to roster Richie Sexton right now because I have Frank Catalanato, you know? That yeah, was so he was the, safe the into baseball. Make. Yeah. Right. He he allowed you. He was the guy. The, one of the names that's it just keeps bubbling to the top as you're talking about Thompson, but to a greater degree, a recent Rocky is Connor Joe. Connor oh. Joe was a nobody from nowhere. Rule five pick. I think he was returned. I think he was picked from 
the Dodgers to whoever got returned, ended up in Colorado and then got at bats. And Connor Joe was like left field, first base, you know, where, you know, ball boy, whatever you needed, Connor Joe did it. And then he got traded because I think Colorado saw like that he's not part of our future plan. We've got a lot of guys um, and they they moved him off. But Connor Joe is still within Pittsburgh. He's just like a a fantasy frustration because you want him to just get more at bats because he produces. You don't like him. Like no part of him you are super excited for. But a guy who hits doubles. So if Thompson's hitting doubles, it looks like Veen's not that kind of guy. Veen's, you know, all or nothing. Um, like I think, he, I think he was like single digits on doubles last year too. Um, when we were quickly, when it quickly got pulled up, I, I just had a – glance at it and i thought geez that was it for you know like definitely was under 20 uh non-home run extra base hits those are doubles and triples uh, but yeah just you know thompson is going to be an effective guy so i took some big swings with my final two um but i also we had somebody in the discord which you can join for free um who commented about betancourt and i i was excited for it so um the now, if you want to disregard what I said about Grant Levine, then what I'm about to say makes perfect sense. Now, if you think, but Rob, you just said Grant Levine's the you know future first base in Colorado. Just hold on. Bettencourt, <laughs> um, 20 years old, 2021 J2 guy, the future of Colorado first base. 5'11", 170, does not sound good for first base. But he's a lefty who murdered the DSL in 2022 and then came stateside and went where? A-ball. Why, why go to the complex? You can skip it. You can skip it. Um, and he struggled yeah. to repeat the dominance. You know what else he did? He moved to a new country and had to experience a whole new way of life. And I think that can really smack a teenager. And I think that's what happened to him. Um, we've talked about it before. We'll be talking about it again with J2 guys. There is a lifestyle change that a lot of these guys struggle with. I've also, you know, uh, Ben, you talked about the adopt a minor leaguer thing. They can live with four or five teammates and they're just trying to survive within their setting. And he skipped one level. So he knew no one that he went Mm -hmm. to the team with and probably could only communicate with some of these people. Now, I'm being a little ignorant on assuming he doesn't speak perfect English um, and maybe he does. And that's that's on me on that one. But that's kind of just what I'm seeing when you move to a new country. It's very different. Even Canada and America are different. Your milk is in jugs. What the heck? Well, yours is in bags. So, I mean, yeah, you know, let's... like a normal person would put milk in a bag. Anyway, um, call it the Rockies' inability to help a player adjust to the culture change. But I believe in him. And assuming he repeats a ball next year, because he'll still just be 20 years old, I think we're going to see what he really is. So I, I think a power bat with a great eye is going to return for him. And I think it's a mistake for anybody who, um, you know, choose if he's available in your league and you choose not to draft him late. Uh, I think that's that could be a real mistake that you regret because the first thing that's going to happen to this guy, this player, when he succeeds in a ball is all of a sudden everyone's going to be like, hey, Ezekiel Tovar 2.0 right here. I mean, it's first base. The biggest thing he's going to have to overcome is the fact that he's. Uh, 5'11". He's going to need to grow, which, I mean, maybe he is taller than that. Um, Yeah, you know what, Joe? You're saying he doesn't have enough power to stick at first base? You don't need to have power if you're contact and OBP because, as I've been told by other people, the power is the last thing that develops. So 
that's just like, you know, I'm just going to throw back into your face what's been thrown in mind so many times. <laughs> and I disagreed with it in the past, but because it helps my case right now, I'm going to say it. Um, so don't put it back up. Don't put that <laughs> comment back up. My last guy is Kevin Hidalgo, who yeah. uh, DSL killer. And my, my sole comment here, because I don't need to dive back in and circle it out. Let's hope they treat and transition him better than Betancourt. And if Betancourt stays at A and they skip Hidalgo straight to A, maybe there's going to be a connection that could help that transition a little better. And again, like, I mean, these are major league clubs. How could the hell can they not figure this out to make these players insanely comfortable to do their best? They believed enough in Betancourt to skip them at complex, to move them to A. I feel like Hidalgo's exactly in that same mold. You know, like why bring him to complex mm-hmm. when you can just move him straight to A and get him up against some, you know, tighter competition. And we'll see. I, I really like both those guys. I'm absolutely on board with them and all rights my other next big three. So he'll be underwhelming, but you know, points league darling, let's say. Anybody else we gotta talk about? I know there's one guy. Well, there's one guy. Um, and that is uh Cole Keurig mm-hmm. and Cole is one of those guys that I think a lot of people had varying opinions on coming into last year's draft he ended up going in the second round out of San Diego State I think a lot of people looked at him and went okay he can hit he's an athlete sure but there's me there's really not power and so where where are you going to be able to play him? Because, you know, he plays infield, he plays catcher, he plays, he does play all around. You know, what's great is he has pitched every season of his professional career, or of his college career, at least one or two games. So the thing that I think is very, very interesting, this is a guy who legit played last year, seven games at catcher. 15 games in center field and 10 games at shortstop. You want to have more of a diverse set of skills from defensively that I don't know that you can get more diverse than that. The, the ability to range in center field versus the ability to pick it and throw it at short versus the ability to block it and do what you need to do at catcher. Holy crap. And he was, solid in all of them. I won't say he was a, I don't think he's a major league shortstop defender. I don't know if, although in center his, field. His hair and glasses are combined oh. with the, uh, what, what do you call it? It's not, it's not, what's, what is the eye crap? The deflector? Okay, it's just eye black, but. Yeah, eye black. Yeah. Eye black, sorry. I'm, always, you know, well, that's, that's not a, that's not a I, thing that I've ever put on my face, but like he, he just looks like, Kelly Gruber 2.0 right there. <laughs> there you go. And I mean, I would be oh, oh so happy. I black. Thank you, Joe. Uh, I would be oh so happy with um, the Kelly. I don't even know Kelly Gruber's stat line. I, don't, Jacoby. There you I go. don't care. It's just so good. But Carrick is my 40th guy in my FYPD, my first year player draft. And I refuse to put a catcher any higher, which means he's my numero uno. And that's <laughs> yeah. because I don't think Hunter Goodman is going to fit the mold within the Rockies because DS is still there. And I can't remember who the potential backup is right now with them, but it was uh, Brian Servin last year, who was like an older guy that just kind of, you know, kicked around. And I think he just ended up with uh, the Jays through a couple of DFAs and trades and whatever. Um, but Carrick could be a guy. I think that's yeah. a, like, I think that's a legit, you know, 21 year old 
um, who's going to need, you know, let's, let's see 800 at bats over the next year and a half and see what we really got with him. But I mean, it's, he certainly isn't one of those. He needs four things to break in order for him to no. be a guy. Oh, Jacob Stallings is a bad comp. You know why? Cause he just did that like little bit of goodness. And then Pittsburgh was like, sell, <laughs> uh, you know, Stallings was, was okay for fantasy for maybe but two and a half athlete wise, athlete wise. Yeah. As, you think there's a, a comp there? Oh, Jacob yeah. Stallings is the backup is what Joe's saying. Oh, that's the guy. Sorry. Okay. Thank you. Um, so if it's Stallings and that, that might be interesting for Stall. Oh God, stupid catcher talk. I can't do it anymore. Um, <laughs> but, but so, Karag, I do genuinely like for first year player drafts. I just like Colorado catcher potential, you know, big average high contact bat is what we want to see. That's, you know, I'm, I'm on that. I got eyes on that guy. And I sat through the very end of, uh, or sat through a, a an FYPD just kind of watching it. And there's some industry folks in there. I was amazed where Kerrig went. Um, he went a lot earlier than I thought. He ended up hmm. going in the third, which was I that a, thought, like a 12 teamer? Uh, it was a 12 or a 15, but 12, okay. still. So I top thought, 50 yeah. regardless. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, but I think what happened is he, like I said, he was one of those guys who had a lot of mixed opinions. Mm-hmm. But his skill set fits that ballpark so stinking well. I mean, he's he's maybe a guy that'll steal 15 at top level in the majors, but it would not surprise me at all once he gets up there if he's hitting 30 doubles as a catcher. It just might not be more than five home runs. Right. But if you get great average and double-digit steals out of your catcher, that's a skill set you never get from a catcher. So, I mean, if you're getting 35 and 10, or 305 and 10 out of your catcher playing in Colorado, God, that's a hell of a catcher. You know, that's that's a yeah. guy that's, he's going he's gonna to do some things to allow you to play goofballs in other places that don't hit for average. And he's going to give you steals that you never expect to get out of a catcher. So right, which will immediately spike him right up. Yeah, because you know it's almost like the uh, what was it, Evan Gaddis? Remember when Evan oh, Gaddis was like, when he's such, eleven. Not that he was like, ste- yeah, I was gonna say, not that he's like stealing bases and all that stuff, but Evan Gaddis was the like no batting gloves, you know, yep. grinder guy because oh, he came from the Braves, the Braves, right, and then came over, yeah, yeah, uh, came over to Houston, and everyone was so excited. But he was also part of the fantasy wave of yeah, multi-position guys. Um. But anyway, yeah, so that's that's Colorado's got guys. Colorado's got guys. That's what we're saying. Um, the White Sox, they've got uh, they got guys, too. And uh, the, you know, the Orioles are empty. That's what we're saying. That's the end yeah, of this. Yeah, well, there you go. Uh, <laughs> so as we were sitting here talking, I got confirmation for some. We're going to have a real big name on to talk some international scouting, which is really fun. Um, so I just got confirmation that he is very interested. So I'm going to drop a little like teaser for folks, but this is what we're going to get together and do. We're going to get together. We're going to talk three teams. We're going to spend this much time. Yeah. The White Sox. Well, <laughs> we're going to spend this much time. It's 30 minutes a club people. Yeah. All right. If you don't and, have 90 minutes, go at 1.25 speed. That'll make me hard to comprehend, but I swear it's worth it. 
It's going to take away my fun base tonight, though. So I, I don't know if I like that idea. But <laughs> okay, so don't listen to this. Well, they, it's already you know ninety plus minutes into this one. But on the so, next one, if you sound the next, better, yeah, there you go, there you go. So, but get get on the Discord. This is seriously. I, I, yeah. Every time we're going to get uh, going to record, I always post it on there and I ask guys for any questions you have about prospects. We just covered. Frankly, I mean, sad, but we covered every single one of the ones that were mentioned on the Discord. And yeah, get on our YouTube, subscribe yeah. to the YouTube, please. You know, hit or the find me at my MySpace. Um, yeah. <laughs> all sorts of different technologies that we can yeah. be on. Next find up, us on socials, Utah. And give uh, me two. The next three that we are going to have: Boston, Cincinnati, Houston, and I Let's... am ready. Yeah. Those are fun clubs. Those are really, really, really fun clubs. So, hey, guys, it's been great. This was a lot of fun. Love, always love chatting prospects, but we will talk with you next time when we're breaking down those three clubs. So, Robbie, anything for the people tonight on our sign out? No. We'll, we'll have right. to figure out the prospects power hour sign out. Um, but, I mean, until <laughs> then, we'll stumble through it. We'll stumble through it. So, yeah, we'll just keep stumbling. So, all right. Bye. Power prospects <laughs> is a curious thing. Make a person trade everything for a king. Wander Franco is your one true love. For a prospect, you'll trade all the Sometimes, but it might just save your life. That's the power of prospects. That's the power of prospects. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.